Feeling good? It's crazy. This season is like so many different person, you know, countries and you know, like different style of cooking. I'm competing against all this international chef from around the world, and I don't think I'm good enough. I always underestimate myself, and I don't know why. I have two restaurants, I'm opening a third one. I competed on Top Chef before. I guess that's the humble side of me that make me push to be a better chef every day. I can't wait to get to the finale. You never know. I just want to go to Paris for yeah. a ham and cheese sandwich and a baguette. Butter and a baguette. That's all I want. <laughs>
So jumping in right into the quick fire, we have guest judge Tom Brown. He's the chef owner of Michelin starred restaurant Cornerstone. And the challenge is to make a dish featuring preserved and salted smoked fish. And the time is 30 minutes. No immunity for the winner here, but the winner does get an advantage that we'll talk about later. Uh, it was interesting to hear a lot of the chefs haven't worked with smoked preserved fish a lot. Um, yeah. So they're kind of wondering, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to make? H have you ever worked with smoked pre preserved fish uh, for oh, any length of time? Absolutely. Um, when we opened up Underground Kitchen uh, back in 2015, you know, we were we were highlighting uh, smoked mullet. So we would get in uh, fresh mullet fillets, uh, <clears throat> all pin bone. We will put a nice little uh, cure on there with our, you know, my chicken seasoning mixed with some brown sugar, a little bit of salt for like 30 minutes. We would rinse it off and then we would hot smoke it at 325 degrees for like maybe eight minutes. Um, so you got you kind of got that hot smoke. We let it cool down. And we call it Fernandina Beach bacon, you know, because in Fernandina Beach, um, it was known for back in the day. A lot of the old timers were going out and just throwing cast nets out and just getting buckets and buckets of, of mullet back in the day. And so they don't do that anymore. Um, so one of the old timers that come by the restaurant one time said, like, oh man, well you gonna do some of that mullet. And uh, and so he kind of hit, put me on. And so, you know, Florida is known for, you know, the South is known for a great fish dip, right? So, you know, naturally a smoked fish dip is what I would have probably gravitated to uh, when I saw this or a, you know, a more classic uh, European style would be a brandade where you take like a salt cod, rinse it, poach it in milk, flake it up, mix it with some potato. Uh, you can make it into a fritter or you can do a cornell or a little plush on the plate with some caviar and some pickled cucumber. And there's a there's a lot. I mean, I saw that channel, that was amazing. I mean, I've done, you know, uh, a smoked trout terrine where you take the smoked trout and poach it off in milk. Um, you you puree it, you strain it, you, you thicken that up with a little, you add a little bit of gelatin, let it set. And you do little layers with different, you know, other types of jellies and then have the fresh fish on top with caviar and homemade crackers and stuff. So there's a, a lot of things you can do. So I was excited to see the challenge. Yeah. So having worked with smoked fish as much as you have, what when you see somebody that hasn't worked with it before, what kind of challenges are they running into with working with a smoked, salted, preserved fish? I mean, obviously, there's going to be a ton of salt in there. So that's something you got to work around, right? Yeah. You know, depending on the style, uh, where it's coming from. It could be heavily salted. Like when you get salt cod, I mean, it comes and you see the crystallized salt encrusting the fish. So you know you got to flush out in water for like an hour, and then you poach it off, usually in milk. So you basically kind of put some fat into it, um, and it kind of rehydrates and comes back. You know, the you know if it's a smoked shrimp, depending on the, the style, the way they do it, it might be a little bit less salty. But it just kind of depends. You just need to try it, understand where the sodium level is. And what do you need to do in order to reduce that sodium level and create something flavorful? Like you could have done, I mean, they could have made, you know, like a homemade capellini pasta, made like a nice little smoked fish, you know, emulsion that you kind of froth up, have some of the picked fish on top, little dollops of caviar, some Persian cucumber, or, you know, some, you know, some corn. I mean, you, you know, a lot of fresh herbs. You could, have done, uh, I don't know, like, you know, coming, growing up in the South, but growing in the Midwest, but understanding it and cooking in the South for a long time, there's a lot you can do with that. Yeah, so let's talk a little about what uh, some some of the cooking that happened in the Quick Fire Challenge. So Buddha, I think, made a bunch of Italian grandmothers flipping their grave. He he was pairing fish with cheese, 
which is usually a culinary no-no, but he was trying to make a smoked fish carbonara with uh, use, replacing the noodles with the onion. Uh, so I thought yeah. that was a, a little bit of an interesting take. Um, mm-hmm. So we talked about the southern southern kind of roots of smoked fish, and I, I love a good smoked fish dip. So that's that's about a, my exposure to uh, smoked yeah. fish. But Sarah, she made something that apparently is um, native to the Florida Panhandle, she, something called smack. I've never heard of it. Smoked mackerel albacore kingfish. So I, I don't know if when you heard that, it's like, oh, yeah, that's that is kind of something that that's out there in, in the panhandle. Have you ever have you ever had that or anything? I never I never heard of it specific, but I would have to imagine like out there in that area that those water in that water, they're probably catching a lot of those three fish, right? Just like in Fernandina, a lot of the, the fish dips were mackerel. Just like if you know you're down further, you know, south on the on the east coast, you might have a lot of mahi that you might uh, smoke, uh, cure and smoke and and whatnot. So I think it kind of just depends. All one is in your area. What you're gonna, what you have an abundance of, is why you're gonna do it. But I never heard of smack. I think at the end of the day, it was just a local fish dip that was utilizing those three types of fish. Yeah. So she didn't have all of those types of fish to to make the smack. So she used haddock, uh, bacala, and Scottish kippers. They did show her using a lot of salt on <laughs> an already salted fish, and she ended up being on the bottom for being too salty. So she kind of overdid it on that one uh watching amar work with it though was kind of interesting he said he's never worked with preserved fish before and he kind of seemed to be making it up as he as he was going along like he didn't know what he was doing he was just kind of doing stuff uh he was charring peppers dicing potatoes and somebody even asked him what are you making i don't know man i'm just making it up and (laughs) but what's funny is he he ends up uh winning and his dish was a smoked haddock salad with cucumber, potato, smoked scallop, and roasted pepper emulsion. The guest judge, Tom Brown, said he liked that he didn't cook the fish, and he had a good balance. It's his first solo quick fire uh, win in his initial season and this season. So I, I thought that was really interesting. When he, when it started to come together, he's like, yeah, I'm not even going to cook this. I'm just going to make a nice little salad. I'm going to sprinkle the smoked fish on top. Kind of what you were just saying a minute ago. You know, just yeah. make a salad, make a, a good base of a salad, and then just sprinkle this, like, salty fish on it for your salty component and for the texture, and boom, you got something. And that's what Amar did. So uh, I, th- I think that was a smart play. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I'm liking – I'm really liking um... – the way Amar is cooking, I mean, I think since uh, since the last couple episodes, he's been really, fo- you know, just having fun. Um, he's opened up, you know, I, I feel like he's kind of a fountain of youth in the sense of he's finding a good groove in terms of balance and texture and um, and then overall composition of his dishes. He's he's not 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 fearful of something that he hasn't done. You know, he's he's jumping right into it and. It's showing in his cooking. I think it's, it's really fun to watch. Yeah, I, I, did, I did enjoy this episode a lot, too, because it did show Amar just cooking with just a lot of fun, like almost like a kid. So mm-hmm. uh, it was really interesting to watch. And we're going to see a little bit of that in the Elimination Challenge. So as the winner uh, of the Quick Fire Challenge, Amar gets 30 extra minutes in the Elimination Challenge. We're going to see how he uses that in a second. So introducing the Elimination Challenge, Padma takes him on a trip to Flora Indica, uh, which is an Indian restaurant in London. Apparently in London, Indian food is huge. A lot of Indian immigrants in London, nice. and it is some of the best Indian food you're going to find in the world. So yes. um, love this challenge uh, at this point of the season. So the chefs sit down, and they don't realize that their food is getting they're, – they're getting treated to a meal by Padma, and Osma Khan comes out. 
which is a, a huge uh, Indian chef. She was a, a, she's a cookbook author of uh, Amu, Indian Home Cooking to Nurse Your Soul. She was featured on Chef's uh, Netflix's Chef's Table. Um, so she is a huge um, figure in the world of Indian cooking. Uh, so for the challenge, she basically made them what their challenge is going to be. She made a tali. So what a tali is, is an Indian meal traditionally served at celebratory events, such as a party, wedding, or religious ceremony. In India, they don't eat in traditional Western ways of separate courses, first course, second course, third course. They eat it all at once, all on one plate. And one thing I thought that was interesting that Padma said was with this type of dish, it's not the flavors aren't necessarily complementary of each other. They're actually contradictory to each other. So uh, lots of challenges with this particular elimination challenge. So the Tali platter, it features six different flavor profiles. You have salty, sweet, bitter, sour, pungent, and hot, and it's got to have rice. Have you ever had a Tali? I, I'm I, I'm not. Um, I haven't had a lot of Indian food, but um, I've had the traditional stuff, the tandoori chicken, and and that sort of thing. But I've never had like a Tali dish. Um, have you ever experienced this? I've never had an official Tali dish. I've never been a uh, part of a, a Indian wedding. Uh, usually what happens is, is that if there's an Indian wedding in a hotel or whatnot, they usually bring a specialist chef to come in and prepare all the food <clears throat> that's designed for that. But what I have done, I've, I've worked when I was living in Barbados, uh, two of my sous chefs, uh, one uh, gentleman name is uh, Toshi Sharma, um he's from india um and he <clears throat> we we put out every thursday a traditional indian buffet that had I don't know, 50 items on it <laughs> it's, it was just crazy all the different salads uh you know t we had a tandoor uh you know cooking all the naan bread the the, the chicken lamb <clears throat> all the different meats of fish huge palm fries um uh, we always had like a a doll you know we had doll and different curries and <clears throat> you name it, we had it. So I'm very familiar with a lot of the different dishes. So when I go out to eat at an Indian restaurant, which is literally one of my, <clears throat> it's a tie between Thai and Indian as far as my favorite cuisines, just because of the robust flavor and the different textures and, and, and presentations. And so whenever I go to an Indian restaurant, I order the whole menu. So I'm buying all kind of naan, I'm buying birani, I'm buying dal, I'm buying you know, uh, goat curry, um, uh, you know, uh, sog paneer, everything. I, and it's just a huge spread. So uh, different chutneys, riata. So I've kind of done my own tally uh, without realizing what that what that was. And so I just love what they're saying. You know, they get the, the basmati rice with the, you know, toasted cardamom and mustard seed or nigella seeds uh, with the ghee is like, and it's very fluffy and, and beautiful. The, the process of the way they make the birani um, with the, you know, it's just, I love it. So I was, again, if they did not study Indian cuisine before they went on this trip, they are foolish. Like the, everything that they're showing is so predictable. I didn't necessarily think about the, the fish, but everything else is very predictable in terms of uh, the challenges of what I've seen. And to me, they should have been prepared. Yeah, like I was saying, I mean, I'm I've never been to London, but I knew that Indian food is is such a huge cuisine in in uh, in that area, um, yeah. with with a lot of immigrants coming there and and cooking the food. Osma Khan was sharing her story a little bit of how she came up as a chef and 
um, how her food, how cooking Indian food rooted her as a person and rooted her as an immigrant in London. Um, and Sarah got a little bit emotional uh, kind of hearing about that. And she identified with that as a, as a mom and a chef. And she said she wanted to create specific memories for her children, you know, specific food memories for her children. And, and I, I kind of identified with that a little bit, you know, my grandkids, they come and visit. And when they do, I try to take them out to a a different place that they've never experienced before. You know, I, I don't want them, I don't want them raised on just eating chicken nuggets all the time, right? Or, or chicken chicken tenders and nothing against chicken tenders or anything, but I, I want to expand their horizons every time they come here. And um, yeah. one of the first places I took them to when they visited us was a dim sum restaurant, which I think is a perfect uh, thing for them. And, and watching yeah. my, my then three-year-old grandkids tr- eating chicken feet and trying to use chopstick is just the, the cutest thing in the world. And some of my favorite memories are um, when they were three, four years old and, and eating dim sum and, and saying, you know, I, I have experienced more food and I, I do know what this tastes like. And yeah. so I, I can identify with that. So that was really neat to see. Um, what I didn't know was Victoire had a little bit of a past with asthma. They had met during a culinary event in Italy called National Carbonara Day, which sounds like mm-hmm. my favorite day. I don't know what it is, but that sounds amazing. Uh, and Asma Khan watched Victoire cook pasta. So they had a little bit of a, of a connection there. So the challenge was the chefs were, were going to create their own tali, either traditional or their own spin. They had to highlight those six essential flavors. So the time is two and a half hours. Ozma is obviously the guest judge, but Amar, Amar gets the advantage of having an extra 30 minutes. What I did find interesting, too, is as they were describing the challenge, Padma said the original uh, concept was they were going to go to a restaurant and use their kitchen uh, and cook. But because of the queen's passing... They couldn't. Everything was shut down for ten uh, for ten days. So I thought it was interesting mm-hmm. how real life kind of collided with reality TV and how things had to get kind of rescheduled around uh, the right. Queen's passing. And you know, they they cut to some scenes of of people in the queue, you know, um, viewing the Queen and everything. So everything was pretty much. It kind of reminded me of the pandemic episode or the pandemic season of Top Chef, where everything was kind of in a bubble. So everything took place in the Top Chef kitchen. They set up the the stew room as a dining room for the judges, which which I thought was kind of interesting. I thought about your season. I said, oh my gosh, can you imagine if they set up in your stew room in season seven? I mean, you guys were in a closet. So <laughs> literally, they had us in the, the worst places ever. <laughs> it was like it was like a walk-in pantry. I'm like, jeez, man. But uh, well, even yeah. Pat made a comment. like, oh, this is a very nice stew room compared to the ones we've had in the past. <laughs> That's right. I thought that was pretty funny. So Amar gets his extra 30 minutes, so he goes in by himself, and I thought he did the the most smart thing he could do with that time. Um, most chef testants in this thing would have immediately started cooking, right? But he hasn't done Indian food a lot, and admittedly so. So he just went around tasting everything for the first 30 minutes. He just went around tasting different spices, tasting different things, and trying to get that flavor profile of what a tali should represent. Uh, what did you think of him doing that versus gathering his food and, and starting to cook immediately? Well, I think it's smart. I mean, the reality is he's admitting that he doesn't know too much about the cuisine and he doesn't really cook it. So what better way to utilize your time? You you know, you're not going to grab a bunch of ingredients. You don't know what you're going to do. I mean, the reality is they they already have a cheat code in the sense that they sat down and had an amazing dining experience with the Tali. Even if they just try to duplicate exactly what she did and spin on, and make a spin, they already had the answers to the test. You know what I'm saying? If they would have you know done that flawlessly or even very close, 
that have been safe. They could have, you know, but he he's looking at like, okay, how am I going to make this my own? I just had this amazing food uh, and I don't understand it uh, enough. I, you know, he, he made a good call. Um, and so he went into it very focused, you know, he already, he already knew how he was going to handle it. I, I thought that was a, was, a, was a very smart way to, to play it. Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, just watching him just methodically walk around the kitchen for those 30 minutes and tasting everything was was really interesting. So the 30 minutes is up. Everybody comes rushing into the kitchen, so everybody starts cooking. And, and Amar, this is what we were talking about. He He's having fun in this episode, and I think from the previous episodes coming through to here, he was trying to, I think, find his place in the competition, and um, and now he's starting to, to kind of, like you're saying, open up and, and enjoy his time there. Like, you're down to the final seven now. So he's enjoying his time. He's like, I actually got a shot at, at winning this. And he's having fun. So he discovers jaggery, which is a type of unprocessed sugar made from sugarcane syrup or palm sap. And the camera cuts to him pointing at his station, and, he, and he's yelling out, I just made that. I just made that. Like, after he tasted it, he, and it's really good, he's, he's having fun with his own cooking. And I think in any competition, whether it's food or sports or whatever, once you start having fun, I think performance comes naturally because you're not thinking so hard about it, right? Once you're once you're enjoying yourself and once you're having fun with it, you're you're not thinking about the competition of it all, and and you're just yes. enjoying yourself and having fun. Any of that kind of put a smile on your face as you're watching him move around the kitchen? Yeah, you know, I think it's the fact that he's was excited about it and he's he was cooking with love and a place of happiness versus fear. You know, when, you know, so automatically he's going to, he's going to make sure that things are seasoned properly. He's going to make sure they're cooked properly because he's in a happy mental place. If you're stressed out, people can taste the stress in your food, you know, and I, I tell my staff all the time, you know, it's extremely important um, that when you go in that you realize people are coming to your, to the restaurant uh, and it's a, their home away from home. You know, Horace Schultz from the Ritz-Carlton, you know, is a mentor. You know, when I was coming up through the Ritz-Carlton, I was like 18 years old. He used to talk about like, you know, when you come to, you know, to the to the hotel, to the restaurant, it's a home away from home. Show the love. You know, think about how you would, you know, if you're welcoming your mother or your father or someone that you love, uh, a great friend, a college roommate into your home and then showing them around and you're feeding them, you know, you're, you're doing it from a place of joy. And so that experience is going to basically carry into the food. Even if it's not perfect, they're going to see the effort and the passion that you're putting into it. And so that's how he's approaching these challenges, which is, which is awesome. He's not going with any fear. You know, he's like smiling, like, hey, I'm going to go in here and be happy. I'm going to put my heart into it. I know how to cook. So regardless, it's going to be cooked right. Even if I, my flavors might be a little off because I don't know the cuisine, I, you know, it's, they're going to taste the love that I'm putting in this food. And that's, that's, I, I enjoy seeing that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and poor Gabri, I mean, the streak of bad luck for him has, has carried over to this episode because he, he burned his, he was trying to use black beans. He burned them in the pressure cooker. So he's like, I, I don't have time to do black beans. So I'm going to do lentils, burns his lentils. Uh, so he's just, he is in the weeds. He's, he's a running around like a madman. I think Tom Clickio in a previous episode calling a whirling dervish. He, he is just like the Tasmanian devil running around the kitchen. Cause he, he's, he's just in the weeds. Um, he ran out of time to cook his fog, his fog off for his, uh, Watado, I think is what he was saying. Um, he changed it to a pan seared scallop at the last minute, um, and, and put that sauce on top of it. He didn't strain his tamarind chutney. I mean, he 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 was just yeah. wanting to get something on the plate. Um, so I, I I mean I don't know what's worse, putting something that's just almost inedible on the plate or not having anything on the plate at all. 
or I don't, I don't know. What was your thought? I, I was kind of with, I was thinking, look, if you can't get all six, at least do five good ones, you know, well, no, six. If, you, if, you, if you don't, if you don't put it on the plate, then you're going to automatically be up for elimination because they can't judge you on that last flavor profile. Oh, you literally man. had to make sure you had six, all six of those items on there. You know what they should have with, again, hindsight is 2020. You don't know what their mental is. You know, we're judging based on watching the show and what they're what they're presenting in front of us. We don't know if they had a headache. We don't know if they're at a toothache. They don't know if they, their back was sore. We don't know if they just got bad news from from back home that they couldn't talk about. We don't know where their mental is, right? We what we do know is they knew where they were going for this 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 uh this this season of Top Chef. We we know that. We know that they probably have known about this for a couple of months. What we do know is is that they all have access to Google and to Barnes and Noble, you know, uh, Amazon books, whatever the case may be that could, you know, they, they all probably have Indian restaurants somewhere in, in their cities or whatever, potentially depending on where they're coming from around the world. If it was me, I would look, I would Google the top items uh, from India. Now I've worked with an Indian chef. He was my sous chef. I worked with him for a long time. I understand how to do production in a high level. I've made my own now before I even knew this gentleman. I've made my own Indian food. I've taught cooking classes on it because I'm the person that loves to research and understand other cultures respectfully and pay homage to them when I basically recreate something based on the flavors that I love from that culture and pay respect. And so uh, while adding some Southern ingredients into it from a local standpoint. So uh, the thing that's disappointing is that they, you know, if they just looked at basics, rayata, a pickled red onion that could have been spicy um, and also could have been kind of bitter if they put a lot of lime, lime juice into it. They could have also normally when you do that, when you do like a pickled onion, or whatever, you actually have little lime wedges in there so that you can get that astringent, bitter flavor from that. They could have picked up some bitter melon and did some kind of pickle with that. So you got that bitterness there. Uh, the riata, they could have done a bunch of different versions of that. Um, the the rice, they could have, you know, just made a great basmati rice. You know, most of them are have some kind of toasted ghee and spices that are kind of folded into it, uh, usually mustard seed or cardamom or nigella seeds, uh, a beautiful dal um, as, a, as a vegetarian curry, just g- getting uh, red lentils, which is going to cook down super fast. Classically, they're, do, they're done with yellow lentils. But I would have probably done the uh, red lentils, and that way I knew the cook would have been great. Literally taking your onion, ginger, garlic with your ghee and your spices, toasting it up, adding the lentils, adding water, bay leaves, letting it cook really slow, seasoning with uh, salt and pepper is a, is, is a beautiful, very simple thing. You know what I mean? Taking some chicken, making a chicken tikka masala, uh, maybe adding some uh, piquilla peppers into that to make it a little bit more rich. You know what I mean? Like things are rolling off the tongue because I eat this food a lot, you know, a sock paneer and doing something fun with that, you know, making a beautiful chutney. Maybe it didn't have to be mango chutney because it a pineapple chutney. Like, you know, it's, it's, I love watching the shows like this and I, you know, again, we're judging from like watching them, you know, and I've been in their shoes and I, and I get it and I have a lot of respect for them, but you know, a lot of times, you know, it's like when you watch Top Chef, they give you the answers to the test, you know, and sometimes, you know, you, it, what happens is it's a mental, it is a mental challenge of these, of these shows. It's like, it's not you against all the other chef testings, it's you against yourself. 
and staying honed in and focused. You know, you could do a dish, it might look busy. And then you hear the judge say, oh, this looks great, but this looks a little busy. But then you get judged on it and they love it. And, you, and then you might go into the next challenge. Okay, they love these different textures and flavors that I put in for this challenge. I'm probably gonna do that the next time. You can do it the next time and there's a total flop. And they're looking at you like, yeah, too much. You need to self-edit and do a little bit less. Whereas you're thinking, oh, I have this base, this medium, and I want to add the layers to it. You know, it, that's that's the challenge they go in. So, like, I feel for the chefs every time I watch an episode. Like, it's because that is a mental that you go through. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a great challenge. Uh, but I think they could have been better prepared, some of them, uh, you know, based on the way that they were cooking. Yeah, and, and with Gabri, I think for him, it was time management. He, he, just, he just did not have a good handle on his time, and it just got away from him. And before I knew it, time was up, and he had like a half-cooked scallop on the on the plate, and, you know, it's it's yeah. unfortunate. So uh, let's see, let's talk a, a little bit about the, the judges here. The, the judges, he had, it's already intimidating enough cooking Indian food for Padma. Now you're cooking Indian food for Padma, you're cooking Indian food for Asma Khan, and there was... Um, essentially four world-class Indian uh, chefs sitting at the table. I mean, probably a, a, a very intimidating uh, a group of people to, to cook this food for. So let's run down the dishes that everybody cooks. We have Amar. So for his pungent, he did lentils of fenugreek. For his sweet, he did stone a stone fruit chutney. For his heat, he did shrimp and crab curry. For the sour, he did a green mango raita. For salt, he did basmati rice with nigella seeds. And for the bitter, uh, they did tandoori. He did tandoori sweetbreads. So after introducing his dishes, um, he goes back to the stew room and, and starts chilling out. They cut back to the judges and all they're doing is eating and it's silence. Yeah, and and as it. a chef, you know, you did a good job. Like nobody's talking. One one uh, of the Indian judges, he's like shoveling the rice in. And, and you, you know, you, you, as a judge, I would fe feel like you would go into these like not hungry because you want to be able to taste the food like for real instead of like hunger yeah. being you know, biased on that. But these the, these chefs are eating it. And so when I saw that there was silence around the table eating that, I was like, yeah, I, I think Amar just won this thing. What do you think? Yeah, he, you know, he, he, he made love to the food, period, point blank. He made love to it. He says, he says you're going you're gonna to taste the, you know, the passion I have in this. And, uh, and he's like, hey, I did my best. Um, I utilized my time. Great. Um, what, what, you know, he, he left out of there like I did my job. And, and they, they could, you could tell um, they, they loved it. <laughs> yep. Padma called the crab curry fantastic. Ozma said the fact that he's never cooked Indian food before. Uh, she said, if I ate this, I would have never would have thought that, which is a, which is high compliments coming from Ozma Khan. And then oh, Tom yeah. Click. Yeah. 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 And Tom Clickio said that every bite changes and that's what a tali plate is supposed to do. Uh, yeah. Like they're saying, all the, the different dishes are, are contradictory to each other as opposed to complementary. So it's almost you're, you're eating something completely different throughout the whole meal. And, and Tom right. Clickio said he accomplished that. So real strong start, real strong start for, for Amar there. Uh, so Ali, for his salty, he did a saffron rice. For his pungent, he did a yellow lentil dal. For his bitter, he did an eggplant curry. For heat, he did a beef tandoori. For sweet, he did a raita. For sour, he did uh, mango chutney. Uh, Ozma yeah. said she could, uh, she could make a whole meal out of the chutney. Uh, so that was good. And it's the most Indian chutney she's had. Uh, Padma said it took her back to uh, the school canteen. Uh, again, that's another compliment. Uh, on top of uh, eating silently, if a dish can bring you back to your childhood, that's that's a huge that's compliment, it. right? That's it. that's it. 
I, it's funny. I won. Um, ironically, I won a, uh, an elimination challenge when Patrick O'Connell from the Little End of Washington um, basically was the judge, and um, I made uh, eggplant curry. Like it was like a hot and sour eggplant. We we won. It was cold outside. I got sick that day. Ironically, I'm a little under the weather right now, and um, I won with that. And then Tom was like, "It's pretty pretty high praise for for Pava to say that she loved it, loved your, your curry." And uh, it cut to me to smiling and laughing like I was like cheesing. You know, I felt like, you know, on my season, the challenges that I won, whether it was a quick fire elimination or whatever, I won with great chefs that really appreciated my cooking style. Or I was on the top with great chefs that appreciated my cooking style and my range. And so to get that kind of compliment, I'll take it to my grave because it's not going anywhere. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So. Yeah, so that high praise for Ali uh, to to bring a, a a professional chef to their childhood, um, and, and to remember what it was like when they were a kid eating the same food is is awesome. Mm-hmm. So Buddha, let's talk about Buddha for a minute. So his sour was uh, chana dal with tam- tamarind, salty was shrimp kalawata, bitter was snow peas and menthi, sweet was date and tamarind chutney, heat was chicken karai, uh, and sweet was a mango saffron and coconut pudding. He was missing something from Padma's tali, so he didn't finish her plate, finished everybody else's, but didn't complete hers. Um, Buddha forgot her karai. The rice was watery and mushy. Padma said he and the plate lacked confidence. Gail said uh, that she liked the pudding. I think we may have found Buddha's kryptonite, and it's Indian food. Because in his season, uh, last season in uh, 19, he did not do good in Indian food either. So it's whatever it is about Indian food, it's got Buddha's number. And from the mm. high of restaurant wars to the very low of, yeah. of this <laughs> challenge, it was it was rough to see. Like, you think of somebody yeah. like Buddha should be able to cook rice blindfolded, but he, he was having trouble with his rice, right? I don't know what happened, <laughs> but it, it, a perfect example of what we were just talking about at the beginning of, 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 the, of the podcast, you know, he went in there with fear and, and unknown, and he's probably beating himself up that he didn't mentally prepare for um, something like this, because up to this point, he's been like a stud, you know what I'm saying? Like he's been been killing it. And, um, and maybe this is just one of the things like he's prepared with desserts, he's prepared with all, you know, all these other highly technical things. Um, he has great skill, and and then maybe that was one of the things that when he was getting mentally prepared to come, that he just for whatever reason didn't think about, which is strange, because you know he worked you know with Gordon Ramsay and Claire and whatnot, and I know that he's eaten a lot of the Indian food. And as chefs, we retain. Like when we try something, we rem- when we try like fenugreek, we remember that bitterness and that specific flavor. Cardamom, black or green cardamom, um, cinnamon stick, clove, nutmeg, um, you know, garam masala, different blends of spices. I mean, uh, madre's curry, or if you make your own curry with fresh turmeric. I mean, there's so much to learn. And and you go to any restaurant, and you eat, you, re- you remember those flavors. And and you know and he knows how to make rice. I mean, that's, you know, which was, which was strange that that happened to him. So I felt bad for him. It, it just, he went in, not, his mental was not, you know, which is, I can't wait to watch this, this season, this next episode. I feel like he's going to come out like that shit will never happen again. I'm about to like, let me, let me like, let me convert this because I can't, I'm that, I don't like that feeling that ain't happening again. 
Yeah, even in his interview piece um, during the challenge, he talked. He was remembering how bad he did on the Indian challenge last season um, mm-hmm. with with cooking it, and and he kind of dwelled on that for a minute. And I th- I think he, yeah, I think you're right. I think he did get into his own head. And um, anything that requires a technical ability or high technical skill, he's great at. But some of these more uh, homey, rustic kind of things he really struggles with he there in the uh family style challenge i think a few episodes like early on episode two or three where they all had to make like a family style dish for each other he struggled with that one too um so it's interesting to see somebody that can really do well in the technical challenge stumble and fall on on what seemingly should be simple things um so that's 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 his kryptonite you know Asking him to do something rustic and homey, and he he might slip up. Asking him to do something highly technical with a mold, and he's going to do great. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. He's he's still kind of in my top three, um, despite this. Uh, I I think his past performances is carrying him through a little bit, but we'll see what happens in the in the next uh, episode there. Yeah. So Victoire, uh, Victoire's salty was rice with saffron. Her heat was lamb with coriander. Her sweet was yogurt with mango. Her pungent was onion and cucumber salad with coriander. Her bitter was okra uh, with moringa. And her sour was a red uh, lentil dal. She made a point to not season the cucumber salad, uh, which I thought was weird. Um, but she said she wanted to let the natural flavors of the cucumber come through. And Padma calls her out on it. Padma asked her if she seasoned her salad. Um, she said no. Um, but Gail said that the Moringa cauliflower had a sharp bitterness that she likes. Uh, Tom Clickio said, again, the rice was overcooked and that seasoning was an issue. Like there was no acid, there was no salt, there's no seasoning on the cucumber, um, salad, which in, in a Tali, that cucumber salad acts as like the palate cleanser for in between each bite. So to not have it be seasoned was, was kind of a, an interesting decision. Well, if you think about during the uh, the uh, the initial uh, when they were sitting down eating the food, the tali, um, Pavan made a comment and said, uh, "Victoire, aren't you aren't you going to eat?" She's like, "No, you know, like um, I'm, I'm going to taste a little bit, but you know, I'm, I'm not. I don't do really well with spices and and, and heat, and it's a little much for me." Um, and then she went to her part of the interview and talked about, "Yeah, she doesn't do well with spices and heat, and which is very interesting coming from." you know, from Africa. Um, and, and a lot of times, a lot of the spices that they put on the meats and everything as a way of helping preserve. But that doesn't mean that as a little girl that she liked it, you know, uh, and then growing up <clears throat> and then going to Italy and training in Europe and whatnot, and you, you, your palate starts to favor more subtle flavors from some of those, those countries, fresh lemon, olive oil, garlic, herbaceous, basil, Italian parsley, oregano, things like that, just the, the, the natural nuances of, of tomatoes. It seems like she's adapted her palate and cooking style more native to that than where she grew up. And I thought that was very interesting that, um, and, and it's like, if I go to the Caribbean, I know, I know a lot of people like over in Barbados and they're like, oh, that's too much pepper. I don't like pepper. Some just don't favor spice. Some are like, no, I'm Jamaican. I love hot pepper. There's a lot of Jamaicans that do not like a hot pepper. It's like one or the other. And it looks like she's on the other side. And so I think that was, you know, that's where it hurt her. Um, I think if she would have really enjoyed the tally during that uh, during that time, because again, they're giving you a lesson 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember any of my my time on Top Chef that we they cooked something and gave it to us, and then we had to do a challenge after that based on what they presented us. I don't remember that at all. Like, it was a long time ago, but not in my nine episodes. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so when you had that opportunity to have a beer, have a glass of wine, um, you know, with with the judges, and then that head judge is giving you the answers to the test, and you have an opportunity to be a sponge, like, what better opportunity as a chef to, to learn from a master um, that's humbly opening up her home as in a restaurant and then cooking for you and giving you the answers to the test. I, uh, you know, I, I have a hard time, you know, like giving any kind of breaks on this because, you know, even the pub, it's like a lot of these challenges, they're telling you exactly what, what it is. Like, it's like, yo, like, are you kidding me? Yeah, this is the second challenge where they got to eat what they had to cook. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so that, that that is interesting. And so she was cooking really to her tolerance level versus cooking yeah. for for the diners, right? And it and unfortunately it showed. And the biggest complaint I think on hers was it lacked balance. There just wasn't any kind of balance or through line through the tali. So well, you know what's what's, not, what's what's crazy to me is that Padma even made the comment. Just so you know, this entire table of judges, they love spice. So don't be afraid. It reminded me of the baby food challenge that me and um, Tamisha uh, Warren, we both co, we both won uh, the baby food challenge. And the whole idea of that baby food challenge was don't be afraid to season the food for the baby. Uh, you may want to tone it down because the whole idea for that challenge, it was a quick fire that we had to make a dish that say the parent would buy um, to go. And then at the same time, you had to take that entire dish that you make for the adult, put it on a blender and puree it up and serve it in a baby food jar. And so it was a baby food challenge. And I won $10,000 off of that because I wasn't afraid to season the food and have a balance for, you know, the chicken, the mango, the quinoa, the brown rice. I added all the nutritional components in there. And then, you know, there was a, a, a curry. It was like a mango. It was like a nice yellow curry or, or yeah. Uh, it was like a yellow curry, and um, and then when you puree it all up, the sweetness from the mango, then you have all the nutrition from the quinoa, the high high source of protein, uh, the rice, and all that. It came together. I won ten thousand dollars off of that. But but I also list listened to what Padma told me. You know, uh, all of us. She's like, don't be afraid to season the food and take a chance. And again, that was another curry challenge that I that, that I won with. Just to just to note that that was two. Yeah, 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 I got that. I got that. But I, I remember your, I remember your baby food challenge. And at, at the end of it, I was like, I kind of wish they got babies to taste it. I think that would have been the real judges. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that would have been sure. fun to watch. Yeah. So so Tom is presenting his tali next. So his pungent was a spiced rice. His heat was a coriander with mint chutney. The sour was a doll. The salty was a cockti beer, I think. Uh, the bitter was a chicken masala, and the sweet was a gajar halwa. Um, so Ozma Khan said it was a good effort, and he was brave to make halwa, which is just a dagger in the heart, right? It's like, hey, buddy, good job. Uh, you know, yeah. brave for you to try to, to take that on. It was awful, but I'm proud of you. <laughs> I, I felt so bad when I heard that. 
And then uh, Gail said she was getting raw spice in the doll. So I guess he didn't like toast the spice uh, beforehand, just threw it in there. Um, And then uh, Padma said he gave them interesting takes on various components that he did. So a little bit of positive, a little bit of negative. But yeah, that first comment from Oz was like, yeah, brave. (laughs) That's that's not that is not a compliment that you want. so Gabri, uh, the the man with a series of unfortunate events that seemed to follow him around the last few uh, episodes, he tried to make a Mexican tolly. So his pungent was a tamarind and orange chutney. The sour was a green mango, cucumber, and passion fruit salsa. <clears throat> the bitter was scallops uh, with his cacahuatado sauce. Sweet was a coconut tamale. The heat was rice with turmeric and cinnamon. The salty was a fried uh, aubergine. So Gail said she loved the pico de gallo, uh, but she couldn't figure out the scallop and that the tali overall was hard to eat. Uh, Asma, uh, Asma said that there's too much um, conflict of spices. Um, Padma said was uh, Padma was surprised by the bad cooking of the tamarind in the chutney um, because of the fact that tamarind is um so popular over in Mexico. Yeah, it's popular in Mexico. Yeah. And she was really kind of surprised and disappointed that that Gabri had a hard time with it. Didn't even clean the tamarind from from what she said. Tom and Tom Clickio, I, I think his statement nails it. Everything about this Tali tells me he ran out of time. So just yeah. some just some harsh comments, you know, from from the uh from the judges there. So that's unfortunate for Gabri, but that that's like I said, time management did did get away from him. Uh, so Sarah's, I, I liked Sarah's. She had an interesting take on the tali. She she threw in kind of like you her southern roots in with these global flavors, right? And I think she had a successful tali. So her salty was dirty rice, which was cool, you know, throwing yeah. kind of like that southern staple in with Indian food there. Her pungent was a tamarind doll. Her heat was a spiced cauliflower, and the sour slash pungent was her version of the cucumber salad, something she called thunder and lightning, which I guess is a version that she serves in her restaurant of a cucumber salad, um, but with Indian influences uh, for this challenge. The sweet was a buttermilk raita. Uh, the bitter was a persimmon chutney. So one of the Indian judges said her said that her cauliflower is by far the best they have tasted. Uh, Padma loved her cucumber salad. Um, uh, Ozma said that the flavors were great. Tom Clickio said she took her food and culture and did a great job of bringing those flavors in and giving them a balanced tali. So I'm sure you watching Sarah and hearing these remarks from the judges about mixing her Southern heritage with this Indian culture uh, probably hit, hit close to home for you, especially with your cookbook, uh, Southern Cooking Global Flavors. That's that's kind of what you're trying to do. Yeah, I thought, I thought she did a great job. I mean, every culture has rice, a rice dish, right? So, so she essentially, uh, you know, made a New Orleans style dirty rice, uh, which is great. Um, you know, all of her, you know, she made it true to herself. The riata, you know, had buttermilk. You know, like I, I love the spin that she did on it and her confidence to be able to execute it. She did it. She did it beautifully. And and so again, I, I really enjoy watching it. You know, she's staying true. Cause you know, she's staying true to herself. What's great about this this show and this this season with these different chefs from around the world is that at the end of the day, they're also marketing themselves and their brand and their likeness. They, when they sat down with us on Top Chef and we actually had a marketing meeting, they, they said, hey guys, realize that once the first episode goes out, realize you all have fans and you're gonna have a lot of them. We average you know, four or 5 million people that watch every week. The number goes up every year. 
based on your character and how you come out and how you cook and your personality, make sure you shine. They give you the answers again. They give you the answers to the test. They're like, hey, if you're gonna be on camera, show some some energy, show some passion and whatnot. You know, be who you are. Uh, you know, realize that you have all these people watching, and this is your resume. It's never going anywhere. Every year they do a marathon. Every year I gain new followers from from my first episode through the ninth season. I get the, the, the classic message. Oh, I'm starting to watch your season. Oh my God, you just killed it. Blah, blah, blah. Oh my God, I hate this Angelo guy. Like he's such a blah, 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 blah. You know, like, I don't, you know, they all hate you because you're skilled, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden like, oh man, I can't believe you got eliminated. That was bullshit. I'm not watching anymore. You know what I mean? Like they, they roll through this. I, I hear it every freaking year, you know? And so I took that opportunity when I was on there to have the opportunity to be able to speak who I am, my friends from high school, elementary school, college, culinary school, everyone knows that that was me. That was Kenneth Jason Gilbert, you know what I'm saying? And so you have an opportunity to, 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 to shine on here and, and seize the moment. And, you know, I think Sarah has, Sarah, I mean, a lot of the chefs, I mean, Buddha, they're already showcasing their abilities and they're gonna get a lot of great deals because of how they're showcasing their abilities. You know, someone's gonna look at Buddha's plates that he's posting on social media, like, man, look how beautiful it is. You know, he's gonna be, you know, maybe, you know, up for a James Beard at some point. He's gonna probably get a Michelin star at some point because, you know, because they may get that restaurant deal. I don't, I don't know all of his details of where he's coming from, but, you know, uh, Sarah, you know, the way that she's promoting herself and, and doing dishes on her own personal platform each week, showing like saying, this is how I made this dish. All she's doing is attracting people to come into her restaurant. At the end of the day, that's why everyone is doing it. To be able to have that platform and marketing to, to make sure your business is, is stays busy. And then when the people show up, you show off that same personality that was actually on the show that was real and personable and whatnot. Then guess what? You have loyal you have lo you have loyal following. I mean, Top Chef is an amazing, amazing platform uh, for chefs. And so, I love seeing how everyone is 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 utilizing the platform to 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 help themselves in their careers. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This this show, Top Chef, I think they are building their resume right for for the rest of their lives with this show. And and I think what's great about Top Chef versus some of these other cooking competitions like Chopped or Hell's Kitchen. I've, I have seen more chefs come out of Top Chef into other things and be more known than any other chef on any other competition show. Oh, uh, yeah, and then the Top Chef chefs end up being judges on those other shows. Like Brooke Williamson did a stint on uh, Chopped for a while, and she's she's a Food Network regular now. So it, you are absolutely right in in this being a launching platform for for a lot of careers. E even if you don't win, you still win. A hundred percent. You when you go on, you know, I was very fortunate to cook, you know, against uh, Alex Gorishelli, uh, Alex versus America. I know it's contradictory to the this podcast and Bravo versus Food Network, but I don't care. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, to go on there and have the ability to cook still like and people to, to send me messages that, man, you didn't win. But like what you put we put out looked like it should have won. You represent yourself very well and blah, 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 blah. That's all you can ask for. There's only one winner. And you know what? My record may be pretty great in terms of wins, but at the end of the day, you're not going to win every one. But how you carry yourself and how you show respect to the people that you're cooking against is all that matters. And so uh, for yourself and the other competitors. So 
yeah, you know, it, it, it's a great time for chefs. I'm so happy that that Tom um, and Padma decided to do this <clears throat> years and years and years ago uh, to help put chefs on, on on a platform to be able to shine. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, he's the real, you know, kind of like the father figure in a sense of like, you know, he's helped transform. Think about how many seasons, Tom, an average of 16, 17 chefs lives, you know what I'm saying? And then the lives of others, you know, I mean, that's, if you think about it, it's really, really deep. Every chef that has been on there at some point has opened up a restaurant, paid taxes, created new job opportunities, opened up multiple restaurants, gone around and doing tours and whatnot. That's all because of the platform. I, I thank Mike Vitaggio all the time for calling me up and saying, hey, Kenny, I, I suggest you go on. I think you'll kill it. All because of paying it forward and us communicating as friends probably trying to hook him up with a job in, in, in San Francisco. He took the job and he just come off the season and da 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 It's paying it forward. I mean, he helped change my life literally because he recommended me because he felt that I had the skill set enough to represent myself and him as a recommendation on the show. And it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I was just talking to a chef friend of mine. His name is Dante Habersham. He has a restaurant concept in Brunswick called Mr. Shucks and he's killing it. He used to be one of my cooks back in the day. And you know, I love Dante, and, and we were just talking as I was driving in from Target, buying this cooler for to pack my food in. And um, you know, I was just telling him, I said, "Man, you know, I'm very proud of you. What you've been doing, you know, uh, you know, I've been co- I was coaching him on uh, some opportunities and whatnot. And it's like, you know, my experiences, I'm paying it forward to a young man that's basically helping build his family and his in his his business and saying and giving giving him an example and i gave him an example because he was like hey chef do you think i should open up another restaurant on sea island he's like because you know i'm killing it over here with mr shucks and i was like no let me give you some let me give you some game to help you grow i was like don't make the mistake that i did when i opened up a second restaurant that was very similar to the first one even though it was an hour away I cannibalized my brand for that particular restaurant. I was like, how many Cheesecake Factories are in, are in, a, city, in a major city? There's one. How many P.F. Chang's are in a major city? There's one. How many uh, Maggiano's in a major city? There's one. I was like, you have a brand. People are driving to it. If you want to open another restaurant, make it completely different. That has nothing to do with your other concept. And then incubate that and create an opportunity. No one gave me that game. Not Matt Medor. He, let, he watched me as a, as a mentor chef when I was coming up. He let me basically figure it out myself. And later on, I was like, yo, I said, why didn't you tell me that this was going to happen? He's like, he goes, yeah. He's like, you know, I told you just to be careful. Don't grow too fast. I was like, tell me not to grow too fast is not the same thing as like, hey, learn from me. We opened up Matthews and then we opened a restaurant Medora a couple of years later. And then it took us five years to, to really get to the business levels that we needed because so many people were driving to Matthews from all around the city. He was like, yeah, had I known, I would have just kept Matthews open and and and, and whatever, but I, I grew too quick. That would have been helpful information from a chef that basically I train under. See, I do everything I can to still pay it forward. Some people like to let you struggle and figure it out yourself. And so for me, I think it's really important to, um, you know, if, if I'm growing, then how can I help others grow in the same way that I am? That's paying it forward. No different than my buddy, Sonny, Introducing me to, to Ms. Winfrey back in 2014, bring me along for the ride. I cooked multiple dinners, da 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 da. But it was all because of us building a relationship back in 1996 when he first moved from Baltimore to the island. And we broke bread. I let him stay at my home where he can shower, put his head down, 
washed his clothes, I fed him. You know what I mean? That love and our, our camaraderie and our friendship is never going to be wavered. And whenever we talk, we always talk to help boost each other up. And so I try to surround myself with people that are going to do that versus bring down or have a jealous spirit or whatever. Like, and so it, you pay it forward. It's so, so important. Yeah. And that's, what's great about the top chef brand is what we talked about last week is it's really a, um, a family of kindred spirits where you keep your relationships okay. and, and you help build each other's brands. So um, really great to see, really great to see. So let's talk about judges table. Um, yeah. So the top three, I, I think was no surprise. Uh, the top three was Sarah, Ali and Amar. Padma said Sarah had a sense of play to her Tali, which I agree with. Uh, Ozma was excited that Sarah was cooking from her roots. Um, she said, she also said that Ali's chutney brought her and Padma back to their childhood, which we talked about a minute ago. Uh, Padma acknowledged that Amar had the extra 30 minutes, but told him that he's not in the top three because of those 30 minutes, um, which is, which is good. And, and they did ask, what did you do with that time? And then he said that, look, I just walked around and tasted everything. And so, well, I think that, that paid off for you. Um, Ozma said, uh, that the crab and shrimp were perfect and that it's a dish that she would remember for a long time. So a lot of great compliments to the top three there. I think it was the correct top three. Um, and you know, when, when you're down to seven people, you can't hide behind anybody anymore. I mean, it's, you're, you're in it. Like you, there's no middle, there's no middle anymore. On um, the bottom three were Buddha, Gabri and Victoire. And I think watching them eat their talis and, and hearing the feedback, I wasn't surprised by this one either. Um, Buddha said that the rice got him. He overthought it and wasn't surprised to be on the bottom. Uh, and Amar whispers from the sidelines, which is interesting. He's like, that's not Buddha. You know, so he, he, that's not how Buddha is. So he, you know, kind of trying to figure out, you know, what happened to him. Yeah. Um, Ozma told Gabri that they sensed that a lot of things went wrong and they ran down the laundry list of that. <laughs> Padma's biggest issue with Gabri was his tamarind. He didn't clean it. And she was almost personally offended by it, I think, um, because of where he, he's from Mexico. They cook with tamarind a lot. He should have known to do this. It's, it's those basic techniques. And I think Tom Clickio said it. He had a great point at the end. Um, everyone was learning something new today. Not everybody cooks Indian food for a living. Um, but you're not, out, you're not on the bottom because you cook bad Indian food. You're on the bottom because you're making basic cooking mistakes, which I, yeah. I think is interesting because you want to, you know, you're, you're cooking a, a culture's food that you really don't know anything about and you're trying to be respectful of it. So I, I appreciated that the judges didn't say, well, you cooked bad Indian food. Like they still respected the tradition. It's like, look, you just made basic basic cooking mistakes that you as a chef at this level should not be making. And that's why you're on the bottom three. Right. So, mm -hmm. so the overall winner was Amar. And I think he was funny. He said, look, I'm a Dominican for Christ's sake. We eat plantains and beans. And here I am cooking Indian food for Padma and winning the challenge. So again, having fun with the whole challenge. Um, and the person that was eliminated, I, you know, I really thought Buddha might be going home for this one, but it was Victoire uh, that is going to be heading to Last Chance Kitchen. Uh, I, I think the choices were correct. I think Amar definitely ran away with it. Um, and for me, who got eliminated, it could have easily been Buddha. I think it was a coin flip. Um, but I think Victoire just made more mistakes, didn't season yeah. the things correctly. Um, she just had more things wrong than Buddha did. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't have been surprised if Buddha went home either. But I'm glad he's still in it because he has a chance to recover, and, and he's in my top three, you know, power players. So I'm I'm hoping he'll win the thing. 
So last chance kitchen, we have Victoire versus Charbel. And uh, according to Tom Clickio, the winner of this battle is two cooks away from getting back into the into the game. So the challenge was uh, at first he said balance the six flavors of Itali in one dish, but he understands that that's difficult to do. So they draw for three flavors each. Uh, so they or they randomly chose three flavors each. So Charbel is going to create a dish that combines salty, sour, and pungent, and Victoire is going to create a dish that combines the sweet, astringent, and bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a, I mean, a little bit of a challenge. Luckily, it's not all six on one dish because that would be a little weird, I think. But I, I think with three, it's pretty manageable, right? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So Victoire, she was so focused in on whatever it was she was doing. She didn't notice her brown <laughs> sugar was burning. And the sideline chefs were like, Victoire, Victoire, your, your sugar's burning. And she's just cooking away and not mm-hmm. noticing it until it's too late. And then she decides to use white sugar instead. So she even says herself, I think this might be too sweet, but what choice do I have? I, I'm, I'm running out of time. And uh, so here's what the, the dishes came out to be. So Charbel made Chilean sea bass with spicy spinach, sauteed mushrooms, and citrus relish. Victoire made a radicchio uh, trevisano confit with red onion and fruit reduction. Hers was weird. I mean, I'll be honest. I looked at it. I'm like, you just put, you know, a fruit jam on a piece of lettuce, essentially. I, I thought it was I thought it was wild. Um, yeah. What'd you think of, of the two dishes there? Just kind of seeing them. Yeah, it was, I don't know. Again, she's going into her bag about, you know, the cooking, like based on her, her, her uh, Italian roots, you know, that type of radicchio classically usually is not served raw as much as it is grilled or braised. So as, as a highlight. So I didn't think there was anything actually wrong with that. The goal was to, to hit all those different flavors and make it a, a cohesive, enjoyable dish at the same time. But, you know, the challenge for the tally, it was everything was different. And then it's still somehow, even though the different flavors are different, that somehow it still kind of works together. It's very contradictory. I mean, she could have had, you know, everything separate and, and said what it was and then let them, let them just eat it that way. But she made a composed dish with the three. And and that's how um, you know this is this is you know the results are what the, what they are. Yeah. So Charbel wins with his Chilean sea bass, and uh, Tom said that Victoire's dish was just out of balance. The white sugar made the dish too sweet, which is what she was afraid of happening. So Charbel moves on. Uh, he is two wins away, two uh, last chance kitchen challenges away from getting back in. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and then the next episode, it's a double elimination this week. So. It's going to be uh, very interesting. It's going to be two people going home, and uh, and then it's going to be on the Last Chance Kitchen part of it. It's going to be like this part one and part two. So a lot of – I mean, we're heading to the finish line pretty pretty yeah. quickly here. So yeah. uh should be interesting to see what this week brings. I think yeah. we did it. I think we got That's through. Any, anything that, that I missed or that we missed? No, I think it was great. I think it was a great episode. I think we talked about a lot. I think there's a, a lot that, that – people can get out of the, the conversations we just had. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I've been able to make this happen uh, with, even with my crazy schedule. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. I think it's a, it's a great platform uh, to be able to talk about food and perspective uh, respectfully to the, the chef testaments that are out there and hopefully some other chefs that watch this, um, they can, can learn from a, a perspective. It's just an, you know, at the end of the day, just like every judge's table, it's an opinion. 
you know, based on the palate of that judge, you know, uh, and right now we're judging based on what we're what we're watching, you know, like we don't have any skin in the game. We're not taking a bite of anything. We're just watching the fundamentals of what is happening during the episodes. And I think the, the opportunity to be able to talk about this uh, on a platform that people are deciding to watch and, 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 and listen to, um, uh, I'm very honored to be a part of it. Yeah, I'm so glad you're a part of it. This wouldn't be nearly as much fun or interesting without you. So I do appreciate <laughs> you. I mean, if it's just me talking, look, I, I could talk about it, but nobody wants to listen to just me. So I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a, a horribly busy schedule coming up. You're going to be heading to New York this week for a week, and you're going to be doing all kinds of cooking for a whole bunch of important people. So uh, again, I thank you for your time and uh, you know, we'll do it again in a week. These are the highlights of my week and, and I, I appreciate your time in doing it. Yes, sir. Thank you very much.